What's good? What's happening? We're back with another edition of the DNVR Rams podcast presented by Chevalier Mortgage. As always, I am your host, your main man, Justin Michael, and we're talking CSU football. They wrapped up the uh, 15 practice spring period. It's been weird, man. It's been weird not getting to watch it. That's really the only way you learn anything of substance at practice is, you know, visually, I mean, you can ask the coaches and Sometimes they'll kind of give you some answers, but ultimately, you know, they, they keep everything pretty tight to the chest and part of me gets it, but, but part of me thinks it's a little bit silly, but, um, today we're going to kind of be going over what we learned from Steve Adazio tomorrow. We're going to talk about Trey McBride and Scott Patchen. Before we get into any of that though, got to shout out the friends over at Chevalier Mortgage. They are our presenting sponsor and guys, Mike and Virginia Chevalier, they are the best in the business. They are a small family-owned company. They are really, really trustworthy, really reliable. And what makes them awesome is that Mike, he is a certified financial planner. He's going to look at so much more than just a rate when designing your home loan. Visit them at dnvrmortgage.com, enter to win a free DNVR shirt or hat of your choice when you do. Most importantly, get set up with a free consultation to discuss all your options. That's dnvrmortgage.com. Whether you're looking at refinancing your current mortgage or purchasing a new home, Mike and Virginia, they're going to work tirelessly to find the best loan for your situation. You can always give Mike a call directly at 970-412-2472 or again, visit dnvrmortgage.com. Michael Chevalier, NMLS number 1931006. Virginia Chevalier, NMLS number 191631. All right, all right, all right. Shout out Chevalier Mortgage one last time. Let's jump right on into it. Like I said, um, not a normal spring period in the sense that, you know, normally spring ball is really open, at least in a non-COVID-19 world. I always enjoyed spring ball because typically, at least in the in the Mike Bobo era, which is the only time that I, I worked spring ball uh, from a media side, I was around for spring ball when I was, uh, you know, an assistant to Tom Ellers working on the Jim McElwain staff, but that was different, obviously, because I could go to anything then. But um, anyways, you know, under under Mike Bobo, you know, we'd, we'd really only get to watch the first 10 to 15 minutes of practice. Usually, sometimes there'd be like a designated practice or two where we got to watch it in its entirety, but it was really, you know, pretty behind closed doors for the most part. Spring ball was always a different story. Along with fall camp, we usually got to watch all of the spring ball practices. And that'd be cool because, you know, a lot of it, you know, you'd kind of have to take with a grain of salt because, you know, there are, are people that'll sometimes shine in spring when there's not full contact or something. And you're like, oh man, that guy looks great. And then they disappear when it's full contact. But you still get to, you know, get your finger on the pulse of, you know, who might be up and coming, who's the young guys to, to potentially, you know, keep your eye on going into spring maybe guys that the coaches aren't going to spotlight in their press conferences because they don't want to give, you know, opposing coaches a, a read on, you know, some of the guys that they might be trying to feature early in the season, but it would allow you to kind of like get, get in mind, you know, start to prepare somebody like Dante, Wright, For instance, you know, if you got to see him, you know, in spring, like, let's say he, if he would have gray shirted, for instance, he didn't, but if he would have, you know, if you would have saw him, you know, flying all over the field in spring, you'd be like, Oh man, I'm going to look out for that dude come fall camp time. It's been different, you know, in the pandemic, obviously last year, they didn't even get a full spring period. Um, we did get to watch a lot of it, at least, you know, when it was still open early before, you know, things started to, to kind of hit the fan or whatever. I, I'm trying not to 
to curse, but you guys know what the slow, the expression is. And, you know, ever since then, you know, we haven't really had any access. Obviously, we got to watch the Wyoming game in person. Um, and that's been it. Other than that, it's been, you know, all virtual. And I get it. You know, it's been a, a pandemic. And, and to an extent, it's kind of nice because, you know, you can talk to them for from wherever. You don't necessarily have to be on location. But it's just not the same. You don't get, you know, the same sense of what's happening with the team. You don't get to know them in the same personal way. You don't get to look at what's happening on the field and really, you know, like I said, look for those up and coming guys or maybe the guys that, you know, should be producing but aren't and, and you know, might fall behind the pack. But it is what it is. We've had to adjust like everything else. And, you know, I, I have some interviews that I'm going to go back and dive through. I'm going to kind of go through the position groups and and break down what should be the strengths and the weaknesses of this team in the coming weeks. I I think there's a lot to be encouraged by with the with the current state of this CSU football roster, and that's kind of what I'm going to get into. I know I know there are some concerns about the quarterback position, and, and it's one of those situations where we're just going to have to see, you know, how it plays out. You know, frankly, Todd Santeo, he's going to have to throw the football better, but as I've you know highlighted in the past, supposedly he was injured throughout most of the the last season, and you know Kelly Lyle, he has Trey McBride point blank. You know, is he is Todd Santeo a, a better, you know, quarterback than people give him credit for, you know, specifically the fans. And he was like, absolutely. Now, you know, as I've said before, you know, that one of the team captains, one of the leaders, he's not just going to throw his quarterback under the bus publicly. So when it comes to anything like that, you kind of have to take it with a grain of salt. But uh, one of the things that was kind of interesting to me, and I'm actually going to play this audio from Steve Adazio here in a couple minutes. Um, Eddie Hers of the Loveland Reporter Herald, he asked Steve Adazio about, you know, kind of the pecking order behind Todd Santeo. Because at this point, you know, we know it's Todd Santeo. He's going to be quarterback one, barring an injury. He's going to get his opportunity next season. Behind him, though, it's really intriguing because you don't have Patrick O'Brien anymore. You don't have that safety net. If things aren't going well, you also lost Judd Erickson. So you've got Jonah O'Brien, you know, a former walk-on you know, as, as your quarterback too right now. And, um, Trey actually kind of let it slip that Jonah had been running with the ones the last couple of days. It sounds like Todd might've gotten banged up a little bit. I don't want to misspeak there because we didn't actually get a clarification on what exactly happened, but kind of reading between the lines there, it sounds like, you know, they were, they were a little bugged up. It sounds like Todd's not the only one. Um, that's a big reason why they went with the younger guys in a scrimmage in the second half of the practice versus doing like you know, a traditional green versus gold game, a, a full out ones versus ones scrimmage like you would in a, in a normal spring setting. But given that there, there weren't going to be fans in the stands and given that they, they seem to be a little bit banged up, they obviously opted to go with, with the smaller or with the younger guys instead. And that's cool. I mean, I think it's a good opportunity to get some of these guys some run, you know, let them put what they've been learning to the test. And then you can kind of use the next couple of months to regroup and, hopefully, you know, come into fall camp prepared because it's going to be a big season for CSU football. But, you know, kind of bringing it back to the quarterback position, it, it kind of sounds like CSU is going to be interested in at least exploring the possibility of adding a transfer quarterback to backups in Teo. Um, you never know. I mean, O'Brien could really blossom over these next couple of months, as could, you know, Judd Eric, or not Judd Eric, <laughs> excuse me, guys as could, you know, Luke McAllister or Chance Harris, the the freshman guys that came in this spring. But I think 
I think it would be wise if you could, if you could bring somebody in with some experience that's willing to accept at least early that QB2 role. I mean, nothing is ever set in stone, especially if Santeo comes out and, you know, they struggle early or, you know, they start the season with a couple of losses. Anything could happen. But you do need a reliable plan B option because the rest of this team is just too good to leave it up to fate like that. I mean, we all know injuries can happen. I mean, quite frankly, Santeo is just going to have to be better. I've I've tried to be open-minded about the situation. I'm, I'm giving them a fair chance. I think everybody should too. Obviously, what we saw was, you know, not great last year, but there were moments where he flashed. And I think his athleticism, his ability to extend the play could, you know, really open things up for this offense. But uh, regardless, you know, when you've got guys like Trey McBride coming back, when you've got Dante Wright still, you've got a really great tight end room. You've got Ty McCulloch coming up. You've got a talented running back group. You have a defense that should be, you know, pretty dominant. I think the front seven is going to be awesome. You need improvement in the secondary, but I'm cautiously optimistic when it comes to there. But just given, you know, the state of the rest of this roster, they're in a position where they should be expected to contend in the Mountain West. It's really, really going to come down to the offensive line, which I think will be better. And, you know, the quarterback. And, and that's a lot of pressure on, you know, Todd Santeo or whoever it might be. But it's just going to be interesting to see how they play that position out because it's it's kind of tough to add you know, a grad transfer or, you know, like a P5 transfer or something like that, if they aren't going to have a legitimate chance to start, I don't really know how you sway that guy to come. Then again, you never know. I mean, people are moving constantly in, in this modern era. So maybe you just get a guy on campus and, and we'll see. You never know. There's always situations where like a guy that maybe was from a Colorado high school went out of state. He could always come back home. Maybe you get a guy that transfers up. There's a lot of different situations. We'll kind of have to see how that plays out, but um, I'm going to play that that audio, audio from Steve Adazio here in just a second, just kind of talking about that quarterback position specifically and just, you know, kind of why he was like basically pleased with what he got out of spring ball and why he thinks the team is is significantly better right now than it was, you know, at this time last year. After that, we're going to kind of talk about the possibility of Canvas Stadium being full this fall and and what my thoughts on that are and whether I think it's going to happen. And Adazio made it pretty clear he expects, you know, Canvas Stadium to be full, but it's kind of an interesting to t- thing to consider at the moment, given just, you know, how the CSU pandemic preparedness team has handled previous events. I, I just, I'm not sure it's a lock that we'll have full stadiums. Anyways, I'm going to talk about that, going to play audio from that. Uh, before we do though, 68 teams started the tournament. Only the best have survived. DraftKings Sportsbook America's top-rated sportsbook app is putting new customers in the center of the action. Bet $1 on any tournament game, and if your team wins, you win $100. It's that simple. You don't even have to pick a crazy upset. You can take Gonzaga. You can take Baylor. You can go chalk. I mean, maybe you're you're betting on Houston. They're a two-seed. Don't sleep on them. Whoever you want. If you bet on them and your team wins, you can turn $1 into $100. There's no better way to put your college basketball knowledge to the test and then putting your money where your mouth is with DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. If you're, you know, bitter about your bracket being busted, you've just had enough of this tournament, you know, maybe you're a bitter Ohio State fan, a bitter Alabama fan, you just don't want to watch it anymore, or maybe college basketball isn't for you, that's okay because DraftKings Sportsbook offers daily odds boosts on pro basketball, hockey, golf, baseball, so much. 
DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. I definitely love that. You know, it might be date night or something. Maybe you're a little strapped for cash. That's right, you know, pull 30 bucks out of the DraftKings account. You're covered for the night, baby. It's all good. It's kind of like a, a nice little fail safe. And if not, you can always have fun with it. Gamble it. That's the best way to do it. That's how I do it. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DNVR when you sign up for your chance to turn $1 into $100. If the college basketball team of your choosing pulls off the win, again, that's the code DNVR when you sign up. This crazy offer will not be around for long. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only. Restrictions to apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. I also want to acknowledge our friends over at Green Mountain Dental Group. We've had several DNVR listeners switch over to DNVR Mountain Dental Group over the years, make them their permanent family dentist. Those listeners have reached out to let us know how great their experience was and to thank us for leading them to such a wonderful practice. There's honestly nothing more rewarding than hearing that from our listeners, so please tell us more about your experience if you've made the switch. If you don't know, Green Mountain Dental Group is in Lakewood. They're the best damn family-owned dentist in the metro area, and they're extreme Colorado sports fans, just like all of us. I mean, our main girl, Allie, she recently had her wisdom teeth yanked. Oh, gross. It was a rough recovery, but if it wasn't for our awesome friends at GMDG to lean on, it would have been so much worse. They checked up on Allie every few days to make sure she was getting the meds she needed. Um, our sales director, Lindsay, she had her wisdom teeth removed as well. She claims it was literally the best dentist experience of her life. They send you a personal card to your home after becoming a new patient. And like I said, they're just gonna keep checking up on you, making sure you're okay. It is awesome service, only 15 minutes from downtown Denver. They're a longtime DNVR partner. They show us love, show them love. Um, remember to get a cleaning x-ray and exam at Green Mountain Dental and receive a free Sonicare toothbrush. Gotta love them. Uh, definitely go check it out. The best in the biz. Hi, guys. Shoot away. How you doing, Steve? Great. So how was the final day? Did you did you like at least what you saw with what you decided to go with? And was it the young players? Yeah, I mean, we just really came out and practiced today. And then um, uh, at the end of practice, had the young players kind of scrimmage each other a little bit. And that's kind of what we decided to do. We wanted to get a little bit more work done and more of a practice format. So, you know, that went pretty well and uh, we closed it out and uh, just had a really good spring. Really pleased with it. Hey, Steve. Um, I just know heading into camp, a big priority was kind of figuring out that pecking order behind Toddy. Just with camp in the rearview mirror now, do you feel like you made progress there? Are you kind of getting closer to figuring out a QB2, QB3? Yeah, I mean, I think right now, you know, Jonah took uh, the backup reps and he, you know, he's he's grown quite a bit. He's got a ways to go. Uh, then we have the two young freshmen here and, you know, between injuries and different little things. I mean, they've got a long way to go, um, but but they got some reps out there today and, you know, doing some good things. But they, you know, they've got a ways to go. But, you know, they should be going to their prom and they're here with us. So we're ahead of the game. Um you know, so I, I feel like that's going well, but clearly Toddy's been one, Jonah's been two. And, you know, I think we'll have a lot of deep conversations as we go through our exit interviews and our personnel meetings and say, okay, I mean, 
where are we? Do we need, you know, do we need, do we need to uh, increase our depth? You know, that that's more ready to play right now. Um, that, that could be a factor. We'll see. I mean, there's always a big market here this time of year coming between now and the end of May of fifth year transfers and different things. So um, we feel great about our starting position right now. We, you know, our quarterback, we feel great about Toddy. I think Toddy's going to have one heck of a year. And I think we have to continue to evaluate. Are we equipped enough with young players behind him? case something were to happen. I mean, that's just a question I think you continually ask yourself and, you know, and, and with the way the rules are today, I think you use, you know, it's kind of like, you know, you use that marketplace. If you feel like you need to fortify a position, then you fortify it. Hey, Steve, we've heard a lot about Todd this spring. We've heard a lot about, you know, Trey, some of these other guys, you know, who are some of the younger guys that maybe made a positive impression on you throughout spring ball? I thought Gary Williams had a good spring. I think he did some good things. We saw him He's starting to be able to, uh, you know, he's, he can make plays and he's starting to learn how to, you know, sustain, uh, you know, conditioning and effort and then learn the schematics of what we're doing. But he's, he's shown to be a playmaker, you know, um, I think Tanner Hollins at running back, you know, is emerging as a guy that can really help us um, doing a heck of a job. I thought Ty McCullough did some good things in, in, at receiver this spring that, that, that you know, really enjoyed. Um, you know, there's a bunch of guys, um, you know, Ty, Ty Marks, you know, really started to make a move uh, as a young offensive lineman, I thought, um, you know, in defense, uh, you know, Chase Wilson is a guy that I, rec- I, I was making a lot of plays on the field, really, really uh, you know, really making plays, um, just processing quick while I'm talking to you. It's hard to do this off the cuff. Um you know, Mike Schifoni did a nice job interiorly for us. Um, Cam Barato inside for us. I thought Scion had a really good spring. Uh, as, as you know, kind of a young guy or a guy who hasn't merged yet. Uh, I thought uh, Taiwan Francis had a hell of a spring. Logan and Stewart really improved. Uh, Jai is really coming on. I really like him. Uh, oh, boy. Other guys that just showing up. Cam Moore really had a terrific spring. He got dinged up at the end, but I really liked what he was getting done. You know, a, b- a bunch of guys. Just, those are rattling through some names, but uh, you know, they're doing a good job. Sanjay's doing a good job. I mean, a bunch of guys. Yeah. Hey, Steve, how much better do you feel about your program now, a year later after you know, kind of a a, a fractured spring? I mean, I mean, it, how do I say this the right way? It's not even like comparable. Like it's so far from where it was. It's not, I could, I wouldn't know how to verbalize that. And that's what, that's, a, that's striking. Right. I mean, like, you know, when I think back and say, okay, well, we got seven practices and we got some stuff done last spring. I look back to last spring, whether you want to talk about our team's culture, our team's toughness, or our team's ability to focus on the details of the game are, 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 I mean, fundamental. I, we're, it, it's, it's like just two different programs. That's how dramatically different it is right now. And I don't think I'm over. I mean, Trey's going to get on next. You could ask him the same way. I'm not sure that I'm overstating that. I mean, if you sat in our special teams meetings now versus then, I mean, just for an example, I mean, you'd think like we're just, it's five years difference. So, 
I guess that's a good thing, or maybe it's just reflects on where we were. I mean, I, I, you know, probably both. I don't know, but we're, we've come, you know, what's that thing? We've come a long way, baby. I mean, we've come a long way. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Let's keep it going. Um, kind of a lot to digest there. Steve Adazio getting asked a couple of different things, you know, reading between the lines. I think that a, you know, a transfer quarterback is definitely a viable option for CSU moving forward. You know, I already kind of dove into that. Um, he went through a bunch of players that impressed him. I, I'd like to add that Gary Williams, the tight end and Ty McCulloch, the wide receiver also were pointed out by offensive coordinator, John Budmeyer. Um, so two guys that seem to have had really good springs. Um, one of the things that I asked Trey McBride about in, in terms of Gary Williams specifically, I was like, you know, what has he done that's allowed him to break out, you know, cause he's been on the roster for a couple of years now and, you know, really hasn't seen the field a whole bunch. And according to Trey, you know, it's never been, you know, an athleticism issue issue or, you know, in a, him not being good enough to play. It was just a, a situation where he had to get, familiar enough with the playbook and understand it well enough to where they could trust him. And, and he's kind of finally reaching that point. So I'm really intrigued by that tight end room. That's one of the things I'm going to write about um, between that and, and getting Cam Butler back, which I think is just a massively, massively underrated addition back into this offense. He's really talented guys. Like he's an NFL tight end in his own right. He just hasn't been able to stay healthy. Unfortunately, it, it reminds me a little bit of Kevon Cart- Cartwright. He doesn't have, you know, the flashy offensive statistics that Cartwright had. But, I mean, you go back to that 2017 year, that freshman season, and, I mean, the the ability was clearly there. Um, I'm really intrigued. And then you obviously have Brian Palendi, the Miami transfer, and, you know, Kyle Helbig, who is really, you know, praised, you know, coming up as a, as a signing under Bobo. So, the, the tight end room should be great. The, the wide receiver group should be great. Um, the, the big question for CSU football, you know, aside from the quarterback position is will Ram nation be able to attend games this fall? And if so, you know, how many at this point, you know, we've seen the, the nuggets and avalanche are starting to, to allow fans in the arena. The Rockies, I think have about 20,000 people at Coors field by fall though you would think that things would start to be opening up a little bit more. Um, by that point, you know, anybody that wants a vaccination should be able to receive one. Even so though, it might be a little early to expect full capacity. I'm just trying to, to approach this situation, you know, optimistically, but more like a cautiously optimistic approach. Just, I don't want to be like, yeah, it's definitely going to be full. And then it doesn't happen. And you guys get let down, but uh, as you'll hear from the audio that that I'm going to play from Steve Adazio, it's it's clear that he is um, he's more than ready to have fans in the stands. And I get that. I mean, he hasn't even gotten to have that opportunity yet since taking the job at CSU. There's definitely some frustration there. Um, you know, I know that he really wanted to have fans in the stands for a spring game. That was obviously vetoed by the pandemic preparedness team who's decided to just push forward for the rest of the semester with no fans for any sports. It, it's a, it's a cautious move. Um, if you don't have fans for the spring game, it's whatever. I think that's disappointing. I think it would have been a good way to regenerate some excitement for a fan base, you know, that hasn't had a whole lot to be excited about over the last, you know, half decade or so. It would have been a good way to just 
get everybody back in that football mood, get everybody excited. Um, you know, that there's, it's one thing for me to talk about it and write about it. And, you know, for people to go back and watch old plays and get, get in that mood kind of, but it's a whole other deal to, to be able to go to the stadium and, you know, see it firsthand and hear the pads pop in and, you know, have some snacks, take your kids, take your significant other, take your friends, whoever you're there with, just, you know, enjoy it and, and really be like, Oh yeah, this is football, baby. Like even a preseason game at, at, for the NFL, you know, I, I've been, I went to a lot of preseason games growing up cause my family had season tickets. And when I was really young, you know, they weren't going to, you know, waste the, the real good stuff on me. Eventually, you know, I started getting to go to the, to the regular season games, but you know, even a preseason game, if you're there in person, it's pretty fun. I mean, it sucks to watch preseason football on TV, but in person, it's still a pretty fun experience. And I think the the spring game is, is very similar in that sense. It's just a glorified practice. I mean, it's not even a real scrimmage because you're not facing another team. But if you get to go watch it in person, it's it's just a much more fun experience for the fans. And I think it would have been cool for them to to get to go there. And I hope, I really hope that we get sold out stadiums, you know, this fall. I'm just not so sure it's going to happen with, with how cautious the pandemic preparedness team and Joyce McConnell have kind of approached everything so far. And I want to, I want to really emphasize that these decisions really fall on them. Like Joe Parker gets a lot of nasty stuff on Twitter and there's plenty of stuff that you can criticize him for that's justified, but this isn't really one of those scenarios. I mean, I guarantee you, Joe Parker would rather have fans in the stands. I, I I just really think that's the case. You can make an argument that, you know, he needs to like stand up for the athletic department more, but it, it's a really complicated situation, especially just given like the legality and you don't want to be, you know, you don't want to be put anybody at risk. I mean, especially after, you know, what, what happened with the investigation into the football program that cost the university a bunch of money to hire Hush Blackwell and, because of that, we've had a really, you know, cautious approach from the administration since then. And part of me gets it, but you know, the sports fan in me is pretty frustrated. So I'm just, I'm, I'm hoping, I'm really hoping that, you know, we get full stands, you know, we get a full stadium, full capacity at campus stadium this fall. I'm definitely not going to hold my breath though. A big part of me feels like it's probably going to be about 60%, you know, 50 to 60%. And then, you know, they kind of spread it out from there. We'll see. I'd, I'd love to be wrong. And again, this is me just, you know, kind of guessing here. This isn't I don't have anybody from CSU being like it, it's going to be 60 percent or anything like that. That's just me kind of throwing a, a guess number based on the layout of the stadium and how you'd be able to spread people out and stuff with the concourse and the new Belgian porch. It, it you know, kind of takes up some spots where seats would be at limits to an extent how much you can spread out because you basically have everybody, you know, on the on the two sidelines. but. That's okay. That's okay. We'll just have to see how it plays out. But I did want to play this audio from Steve Adazio. This was a question asked by Terry Fry, longtime Colorado sports writer, legendary sports writer. Um, just kind of what his thoughts on it are. And he he definitely told us how he really feels. So I'm going to end with that. We'll be back over the next couple of days. We've got a ton of, ton of stuff to talk about in terms of college basketball, um, Texas and North Carolina and Kansas and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, we've got, you know, the final four this weekend. I'm, I'm pumped for that. A lot of fun stuff. Um, going to dive into what we learned from Scott Patchen and Trey McBride, you know, two of the, the biggest team leaders. So a lot to, lot to look forward to. It's the offseason from a CSU perspective. 
but still plenty of green and gold to talk about, plenty of college sports news to talk about. And we'll get kind of creative this summer. You know, we'll we'll do some stuff to increase engagement. It, hopefully it's not going to be like last summer where we were all stuck. I mean, it got to a point where I was like, I'm out of ideas on how to entertain people because we're just all home all the time. <laughs> so it won't be quite that desperate, hopefully. But um, the dog days, man, they're coming. Um, at least the Rocky, the Rockies are undefeated as of right now. 1-0, and baby. Only going to lose 95 games, not 100. Suck it, haters. <laughs> Anyways, uh, we'll be back with plenty of content throughout the week. Make sure that you keep up with all of our other stuff. The draft pod is popping right now. Um, we've got plenty of Broncos content, Nuggets content, Avs content, whatever you may fancy. Rockies, obviously, uh, did a really dope video for opening day. I think that's it. I think that is it. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go now. I'm going to finally stop talking. Uh, have a great day. Have a great night whenever you're listening to this podcast. Much love. Peace. Steve, Terry Fry here. Uh, this is out. You're hearing uh, the talk about the Rockies. You're going to have fans. There's possibility of fans opening up at the, well, there are fans opening up at the Avalanche and Nuggets. Possibility of fans for the Rock, for the Broncos this fall. Realize you don't have input on this. Multiple entities involved. It's a maze. But what's your feeling about the opportunity to perhaps play in front of fans this fall after the bizarre year. Yeah. I mean, seriously, I mean, we're looking forward to that. I can't wait. You know, I've never as a head coach here been out walking in the stadium, seen anybody in there. Right. But let me say this to you. Like I saw the news this morning, the Rockies are going to have 22,000 at their game. I mean, listen, I, I, I have a strong opinion about this and that would be this. Um, the president of the United States said that by May, anybody who wants a vaccine can get it in the state of Colorado. They said, if teenagers can now go get vaccines, if we are as va- once we are as vaccinated as we can be, I don't know why we'd have any conversation about what we're doing. I don't. That makes no sense to me whatsoever. Once everybody's fully, I mean, I can, we can't control those who don't want to get a vaccine, right? But that shouldn't impact what we do moving forward. So if you're asking me my opinion, like, the, I mean, I don't even know why there's any conversation about would we have a full stadium in September. I guess you now. You say, well, everybody hasn't it right. Everybody hasn't, but yet the but yet the Rockies are going to have half capacity, twenty two thousand, I think it is something like that. So why wouldn't we have full? That, that doesn't. Sometimes these conversations to me, I mean, I don't even know why we're having them. I mean, it's like we're making something out of it. I, I don't get it. I mean, the CDC, I mean, has already said that. I, I, I it's already happening in our state. I get it. We got to get fully vaccinated, and I'm 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 totally on board with that. You know, and everybody's got personal decisions to make. But you know, by the end of May, by June, by July, by August, my God, you know, there's because once that his goal is accomplished, I guess my point would be so then if that's not good enough, what's ever going to be good enough? Nothing. I I I don't I don't plan on wearing a mask the rest of my life. I can tell you that that's not going to be enough. I want to do my role and my part. Which is right now, I tell our kids and I, our coaches and everybody, you know, whether you're fully vaccinated or not, right now, we are wearing our masks, we are socially distanced, we are following every rule, we are setting the best examples that we can set for our team, for our players, for our community. And that's what we're going to do. And we're going to keep doing that. But in my mind, if you're asking me, there's going to come a point where everybody who, who can get one gets one. And at some point, we, we're all moving ahead. And life's going to move on. And so, yes, you know. I would have thought we could have had 500 people if we wanted to have a spring game because the Rockies had 21,000. 
same air. I don't think. I mean, I don't think there's a different air. Maybe there is. I don't know. Same air. No. So I, I, it just, it's, it's shocking. But you know, you put, I put perspective on things, and you say to yourself, okay, well, you know what? We just came off one hell of a year. It's been, it's been brutal, and everybody's just trying to do the right thing and find the right way. I got it. So it's going to work itself out. Keep the faith. We'll have a full stadium in September. I can't imagine a scenario that doesn't put us. I only seem to write when the words, they don't come to me. I'm staring at this page and I swear it stares back at me. Read between the lines, see the blank and all the happenings. It's been 35 and I ain't even wrote like half a thing. Rhymes that make sense but more lines that didn't. I was walking with my headphones, heavy bumping pivots. Simplistic white pages, they dreaming we were famous. They say they like the cadence, mark the summers like cicadas. And features, those ain't favors. My mood rings an alligator. Spit like Vader with the saber, steady kicking it like Prater. Staring at white pages. It's habitual behavior, check the flavor, that's some sage advice But confidence, a great disguise, and certain lines are idolized Like yeah, I'm fine, and I don't mind, it's out of sight, it's out of mind And I've been dwelling on my past just to see what I can find Lost and found memories of places I designed And my imagination's different now, but I swear that I can shine